I will set out for Gaul myself and confront our enemies. They will learn the error of their ways. But why might early Christians have called Nero the Antichrist? I will quash my deluded enemy, not with the sword. I intend to sing to them. Nero has lost his mind. Welcome back to the life of Nero, Caesar Tonto. Yeah, good are you well, guy Nero? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. It's snowing here. The girls are ready to get up tomorrow morning and hit this hit the trails like, again. Probably try to run me over, but you know it makes them happy. So there you are. Are the kids in school at the moment over there? Are they? They're in. Oh well, that's a whole nother story. I'll give you the really short version. They're doing online. They're doing online schooling right now. But there's been this big push, and it's it's from Biden. It's from the the state governors. Everybody, uh, excuse me, a lot of governors are using mid March as the magic date to go back or to at least offer online classes. As far as I can tell, it's not based on anything. Uh, it's just I think it's a level of frustration with the parents of having their own children around them for too long and the whole, uh, I guess, drop in quality of education. But nothing's changed um, except for a small percentage of Americans have been uh, vaccinated. But so they're going to be offering it back in mid-March and we'll see what happens. I think the numbers are going to explode, but I am not a doctor, even though I played one on in General Hospital in the 80s. But that's <laughs> but but they're they're online, but, but some of them will be going back next month. I think we have a clip of that somewhere. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to dig it up. <laughs> you were like three feet taller then, with a massive, amazing head yes. of hair oh, too. Yes, thank you. It was the eighties. Everybody was uh, uh, taller and had a lot more hair in the eighties. Yeah, some of it on your back, but still, it was more hair. <laughs> Mostly on your back, and it's, yeah. I think what you did is you just grew it long and then swept right. it up and Come over. over. Up and over. Yeah. <laughs> Come up and over. Yeah. yeah. Pretty badass. Anyway. According to, according to uh, Suetonius, Ray, in the first year of his rule, Nero, yeah. big hit. Big hit. Love him. People, Good guy. People, people loved him. Um, yeah. He built a wooden amphitheater in the campus Martius. Part right. of the uh, part of the city, just outside of the city, and held people gladiatorial games where yeah. nobody was put to death, not even criminals. Whoa. Good guy, he, Nero. No bloodshed Nero is what he was known <laughs> as at the time. He was like, listen, we don't we don't need to do that. No. That's I mean, that's yeah, below us no. yeah. as Romans. I mean, Right. Excitement, yes, but they're going to all be stuntmen like on Gladiator. But no, I don't want anybody to die. I just want you all to have a good time. Go have fun. Good for him. And what he loved to do is have Gladiator battles where senators and equestrians, wealthy men with good yeah. families and good reputations were actually out in the ring battling. But no uh, no one died. Right. It was, it was more like, err, 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 and that was the extent of it. Well, I, I, I don't know about that. Like, uh, that sounds boring for Romans. Like, I mean, yeah, okay, there's a little bit of fun seeing politicians yeah. out with swords and battle axes and, uh, right. you know, the well, old yeah. uh, nets and uh, tridents, and uh, which reminds me. Oh, here we go. Right. I saw a trailer this morning for yeah. uh, a film I'd never heard of before. And I'm so excited! I got to see it. Uh, let me uh, let me let me let me play the trailer for you. All right. 
Exciting new spectacle of the splendor and savagery of ancient Rome. History's most bloodthirsty entertainment was pursued by the Romans who taught the world how to fight. They enslaved the most sensuous women to titillate the perverted pleasures of the Roman public. Pam Greer, defiant and untamed. I am a Maui. Margaret Markov, determined and proud. Stop! I am Bodisha. Unchained wild women. Their beautiful bodies shaped into superb fighting equipment in the arena. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? Hell yeah! <laughs> What's the name of this? The Arena, 1974, Pam Greer, Sexploitation yes. Roman. Kind oh of black exploitation meets sexploitation meets <laughs> Rome exploitation. <laughs> Uh, In a good way. You know. Right. Oh, I am all over just that. just looks fan-bloody-tastic. It's a box uh, of right. Yeah. And yeah. it's available on Amazon Prime. I am totally fucking watching that this weekend. We should have a watch party anyway, but yeah. yeah. Hells yeah, man. <laughs> like, just oh looks so great. Um, I can't wait to watch it. But- I mean, it... If yeah, you're, a, yeah. you, I don't know if you're a fan of Pam Greer. I mean, oh yeah, I am, I am. Oh, but so yeah. if you're, if if, and if, if you, it's basically the Big Bird Cage, right. one of my favorite films, 1972, about a bunch of women in prison, uh, being you know tortured, raping each other, being raped, uh, lots of sexual violence, getting their revenge <laughs> against their guards. These yes. are all sort of. Strong women revenge films, which is Pam Greer's. That's that's yeah. she fucking owns that. Her, her you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> she owns that genre, <laughs> that wheelhouse. Yeah. Oh, I can't oh wait to God. see that. Anyway, but, check it. So you've got it that, out. and mm. but now you've got Nero, who's seventeen years old. Whatever you know, whatever age exactly. He's like, we're gonna have games, but hold on before you get too excited. I want senators, I want rich people, I want you to all get dressed up and come out, and we're going to have maybe, I don't know, wooden swords, and we're just going to pretend, but I don't want anybody to get hurt, not even the criminals. What has Rome become? Well, I I, I just can't see Romans standing for no blood and no danger. Is this Seneca? Is this Seneca going, well, we don't need to butcher our way to happiness, do we? Mm, Could be. Could be Seneca's influence, but... I, I I I just I really like the idea of politicians and rich people having yes. to fight each other in the yes. arena. I think we need to bring that back. We, I think that's yes, the answer to all death. of our problems around the world. Is uh, you know once a year, right? We 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 get all of the elite. Anyone whose net worth is more than what ten million. Let's say anyone who's worth so Tony Kardashian right. would be in there. Anyone who's worth more than ten million. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, fine. Right. Or you're a politician. You're elected right. politician or you're a millionaire. You, you um, have to get into an arena with yeah. uh, swords. Yeah. No, no guns, just no, no, uh, no, 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 no. swords, battle axes, tridents, right. the yes. big uh, net mace. thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, a mace. Net. Oh, yeah, mace. <laughs> Shields, mace. Yeah. Uh, wild, wild beasts. Right. And uh, oh. you just have to fight it out, yeah. Build a little battle. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm, I, I'm happy with you being rich and powerful and a psychopath. You just as long as, yeah. Yeah, 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 you, you, you fight it out in the arena once a year. I, I think everyone would be a lot happier. <laughs> Televise it, raise a ton of money for charities. Since Tony is a big guy, he's about 
I don't know, 6'8", I have no idea how tall Tony is. He should have to fight Murdoch. I would pay good money to see that. Well, maybe that's the thing is you can buy your way out of it, but you, right. you know, you have to donate, you know, a good Millions. percentage of yes. your wealth to battling climate change, something like that. Ooh. Right. Um, I think we've yeah. solved so many world problems here tonight. Yeah. Thank you for everybody. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll mm. see you next week. Mm. And sure, we're just going to call it the arena. arena. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. it. Wow, you, you and I'll have like little leather should make the, uh, thing on. We should get all we should make a, up and we'll be the hosts. Go ahead. We should, we should write a script, make a movie about this. Uh, yes. You know, it's sort of a John Carpenter style thing. I'll, right. I'll like see, the, the see if we can get Kurt... Yes, but, but I haven't for the seen the Purge films. For but my my, my teen, yeah. my twenty year olds uh, talk about it all the time. Um, well, uh, yeah, I think we get Kurt Russell back. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No one can do it uh, like uh, Kurt Russell. Snake Plissken, he comes back. He's got the eye patch, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he's the host or the MC. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn are the hosts. Yeah. They yeah. ceremonially they do the first fight every year because they're right. rich Hollywood yeah. celebrities. They, they uh, do the first, and then they then they MC it uh, for the rest of the time. Right, it makes sense to me. I see no downside <laughs> to this. I really, I really don't. I really don't. Life's been good. Now, once a year, you have to earn it with you know by risking your life. Yeah, no problem. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, I don't yeah. know what this looked like. Uh, they're fighting wild beasts and each other in the stadium, but with no one gets put to death. They're just yeah. good, just a good time, I think. Right. Uh, he Family. even had a he, he yeah. had a navy battle uh, or yeah. a Naumachia, Naumachia, uh, I think sure. is how they might have pronounced it on seawater with monsters swimming in it, according <laughs> to Suetonius. I don't know the, the sound of it. Sea monster. I think this is in the early years. So again, he comes to power. He becomes emperor in what fifty four. So mm-hmm. fifty five, fifty six, something like that. He he builds this wooden amphitheater and then floods it with water. Yeah, and yeah. they have a naval battle with monsters. Now, of course, the idea of a mock sea battle wasn't new to Rome. The first recorded one happened when Ray. In 46 BC by the big JC himself, Julius Caesar, when he was celebrating his quadruple triumph. Thank you very much. He uh, dug up a basin near the Tiber, big enough to hold biremes, triremes, quinqueremes. He had 2,000 combatants and 4,000 rowers. All, of course, these at this time, it was all uh, prisoners of war, and they had to fight for the entertainment of the people and to glorify the accomplishments of JC. But doing it in a wooden amphitheater, that was all Nero. Classic yeah. Nero. <laughs> <laughs> Love Classic right. Nero. Uh, <laughs> now, what do you think the monsters were? Um, either really tall or really short people dressed up in weird costumes and told to make sounds and, and tied with flotation devices on their arm, hopefully. You know and, this because this yeah. is what... Uh, <laughs> Heather and D'Angelo have you do on a Tuesday night. It's uh, dress, dress Ray up as a dress sea monster up. night. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I, that doesn't hurt so much as when they point and laugh. But the point is, the point is, yeah, so they had this mock thing, you know, in 57. I think it was in 57. And again, the people No, no, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't yeah. move on from the monsters. No. Um, it's a oh, serious question. Yeah. What do you think the monsters were? Oh, oh. Um, it wasn't Loch Ness because they wouldn't have known about that. It's some <laughs> some Mediterranean monster. I'm guessing something like an offshoot of an octopus or a hippopotamus. Oh, giant octopus! That would be fucking yeah. huge. Yeah. I want to see that arm, movie. All doing arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have like eight it guys just, inside it, doing it, the arms. Oh yeah. No, it's a real octopus, and it just starts grabbing people out of the amphitheater <laughs> stadium. An octopus <laughs> would shit its ink out and run away. They're not killers. I mean, that's the that's Hollywood. They uh, were like, no, please don't hurt me. And then suddenly everybody's wow. eating squid. And then it trapped. Then it has to battle King Kong, and battle. you know. <laughs> Climbed up the, climbed up the forum, <laughs> the battling King Kong. Well, I, one source I read suggested yeah. seals and hippos. Uh, okay. Now hippos, I know, are scary as fuck, but seals—they're uh, just cute. <laughs> what, what? I can't see them being <laughs> that scary. I'll fight a seal. You take on the hippos. All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so no, you were in the middle of some rant about how amazing yep. it was. No, no, just just that that was in uh, 57. Um, so so Caesar does it. Um, Augustus does his own in 2 BC when he's uh, inaugurating the Temple of Mars. Claudius did it in 52, but of course we covered that. He did it on the natural body, a natural body of water, Fusin Lake, uh, to celebrate the completeness of the drainage. Um, so it's been done before. So, But because it's such a big thing, because it's very expensive, um, it's only done for special occasions, but you've got this new young emperor. Uh, everybody's got their hopes on and him. And besides building the wooden amphitheater, which, you know, creates a lot of jobs. You you bring in the the senators. You bring in these rich people, and, and there's a like no one's allowed to get hurt policy. And so it's just a good time had by all. It's like Rome through Nero has renewed itself, and it's a fresh start for everyone with a lot less blood. Yeah, and unlike Claudius's, uh, Nero's didn't collapse, uh, nearly killing everyone. Uh, but the, one question in my mind yeah. is: How the fuck do you get enough water into an amphitheater? Right. How do you then drain it? And what happened to all the sea animals when you drained it? Did they, you know, drain it, then capture them and put them in cages and take them somewhere? Did they have like an aquarium in zoo? No, the first mass sushi bar. I think is what uh, happened after that. So they build the uh, the amphitheater. Seal and then sushi. Seal sushi. It's awesome. Oh, I love some uh, some seal sushi. You build the amphitheater and then you use one of your aqueducts and then you pump the water in there or whatever and you fill it up. Now supposedly, and I don't. I I'll just say this. I won't go too far ahead. Supposedly Nero threw another one in sixty four using the same structure because there's nothing in the written records about the first one being taken down. Of course, by sixty four Nero is not the same kind. Kind of live and let live kind of guy, and so I, I think it the structure itself itself stayed up. But Mitt, you're right. I think they probably drained the water out, captured up all the animals, and um, yeah, it was sushi party for everybody. Well, uh, this one obviously didn't play, take place in the Colosseum, which was built later on the site of Nero's right. Golden Palace after his death. But historians have tried to work out how you would have filled an amphitheater mm. with enough water to hold a naval battle. The, the, the Aqua Claudia, uh, inaugurated by Claudius in 52, is believed to have supplied the water as much as 560 mm. gallons per second it could <laughs> handle. Right. Now, 
For ships to float, the water would have needed to have been at least five feet deep, which if his amphitheatre was roughly the same size as the Colosseum, it would have required about 149,000 cubic feet of water or 1.12 million US gallons. Damn. And they've done the they've done the maths on this, some fucking nerds. And uh, after factoring in <laughs> leakage, yeah, you always yeah. got to factor in leakage, oh, Ray. I mean, that's right. Now, right? <laughs> it's it's age though. It's not anyway. I want to talk it's about just a press. just a trickle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another trickle. thing that D'Angelo and Heather point mm. at and laugh. I really would yeah. like to move on now. Got to wear those depends. Got to wear them <laughs> adult diapers. They're that's called- okay. They're called yeah. something better than that. They're called um, security briefs. I, I don't know, but uh, it, it keeps me dry. <laughs> After factoring in leakage right. and the fluctuation in the water supply, uh, sure. f- and nerds have estimated that filling it <laughs> would take about, can you guess how long it would take to fill a place that big with that much water using um, the aqua claudia? I I I have no idea. Um, Take a guess. Six six months. I I don't know. I, I don't do maths. <laughs> six months. I have no idea. Uh, somewhere between eighty three minutes to three and a oh. half hours. See, I, I don't know. But still, that's impressive. Those fucking Romans. They are engineers to the gods. They were the Chinese of their of their day. <laughs> Well, we 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 need ten hospitals for COVID. Fucking no worries, Boom. boss. Uh, be up tomorrow. Done. Get yeah. it done. Don't stop fuck around. Done exactly. Yeah, yeah Romans don't mess around. Um, so the water would enter through a series of channels, and then eighteen drains, strategically placed around the arena, would drain it again um, afterwards. So wow. incredibly impressive piece yes. of engineering. Like imagine today. What's what's the biggest? Where do they have the Super Bowl in America? I don't know. Uh, well, it's, yeah. it always bounces around from from one um, football stadium to another in different states, but they're all they're all pretty massive. Where was the most recent one? The one that happened last uh, week? Tampa, Tampa Bay, Florida. What's the name of the stadium? I I don't know. It's probably named after some oh, fucking rich hell. Person. You're, you're the worst American I've I ever met. I don't know. I I don't like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, and I don't even know the name of their stadium. So, name one stadium in America then. Dodger Stadium is that still Dodger a thing? Stadium. I, I, I don't know. I don't know baseball. But the point the is, Donald, like the Donald Donald J Donald Trump Tr- Stadium, Mar-a-Lago. Anyway, just imagine right. yes. today. If they said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to fill a football stadium with water and have a naval battle in it uh, full of sea monsters. Right? Oh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, It would be amazing. Like, I'd go to see that. Why don't we do that kind of shit anymore? What's wrong? I would pay good money. I'd put on a double mask and I would go see that. I would go see Mm, that. mm. Anyway, uh, impressive stuff. Now, one of the shows that Nero put on with Greek dancers, apparently there was a bull in this. They got a bull in and it fucked a wooden model of a heifer inside of which was, I think, a wooden model of Pasiphae, the queen of Crete, is inside 
it's either a real woman inside of it or a model of a woman inside of a heifer that a bull, and I'm not sure if this bull was real or wooden. Well, Suetonia says that it was so realistic that people couldn't tell if it was real or not. (laughs) And Um, they were really trying hard to figure that one out. So yeah. So what's the story? What's the story that they're retelling here, Ray, with the bull fucking the heifer? Um, she was the daughter of Percy, one of the ocean nymphs, and the Helios, Helios, the sun god. I don't really know. I don't know the story. That was a quick Wikipedia. Fuck. What do you have it like? Speed doll. Yeah. No, I just pump your voice into my speaker and it can... No, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Well, according to Greek mythology, uh, Pasiphae was the wife of Minos, the king of Crete. Oh. She was cursed by Poseidon. Oh. And as a result of that, she wanted to fuck a white bull, sure. which Poseidon sure. uh, happily provided her with. She fucked a white bull, or it fucked her either way. Um, not that much difference to being fucked by a god, I guess, like Mary, mother of Jesus. She got fucked <laughs> by a white bull and gave birth to Asterion, right. a.k.a. the Minotaur, the bull of Minos. Oh, half bull, half not bull. Okay. Mm. He had the, the face of a bull. bull. Right. He had the face of a bull, but the rest of him was human. Right. And Precise. Minos, king of Crete, shut him up and guarded him in the labyrinth. Now, oh yeah. I mean, I know that um, you know, that's what they did to you when you were a baby. They shut you up in a bubble, same sort of a thing. Um, <laughs> they thought you were a monster. So I know you can relate to this. I am not an animal. <laughs> I'm wondering this putting this show on Right. Is it? Is there some kind of analogy here about Nero being a monster? Um, oh. This apparently mm. takes place, judging by Suetonius's, you know, timeline. But he's pretty loose with the timeline. Yes, jumps jumps all over the place. But I'm assuming this is fairly early on. Um, but you know, it's like you could read this Romans being Romans as oh, okay, this is, they're suggesting that Nero is a monster, maybe. Um, not that uh, his mother, Agrippina, fucked a bull, but uh, her husband was a bit of a psycho. Remember, her husband said nothing good can never come right. from... Uh, was, was it... Right. Yeah, I think it was him. Was it him or was it his yes. Caligula's? It was him, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, it was him. It was him. Yes. Yeah. Nothing good could ever come from the two of us fucking. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they were, trying to, they, they were trying to say something. If it was his idea, he's like, yeah, I want to see this. Um, sounds incredibly sexy. Like, uh, yeah, not family. To be to be honest, I, I'd, right. go, I'd go watch that. Um, th- then there was another show that he put on where, according to Suetonius, Icarus tried to fly right. and immediately fell to the ground, splashing Nero with his blood. <laughs> oh, quality what control, do you think? people. Yeah. What do you think the story is there? This guy just climbed up on top of the amphitheater and flapped his arms. I'm, I'm I can fly. <laughs> One, he probably got a hold of some uh, some mushrooms, or two, maybe there was a rope attached to him and it was a part of a stunt or a demonstration or something. To because we we talked about on the previous episodes, Nero loved the theater. He loved plays. He loved poetry. He loved music. And I'm sure, and we talked about him performing 
plays and poetry for the people. They know this. They maybe somebody wanted to impress them. Hey, Cameron, tie this rope to my back, my around my waist, and I'm going to swing down and pretend to be Icarus. And you're like, this is my chance to get rid of get rid of Ray. Okay, all right, okay, I'll tie it for you. And I jump down. The rope comes up apart, and he just splats close enough to, like you said, bespatter the emperor with his own blood. That's my guess. Unlike the guy I told you about earlier, who um, off at camera, who uh, skydived in Sydney yesterday, right. near outside of Sydney, and both of his parachutes failed, and he <laughs> plummeted to the ground, uh, but survived. A lot yeah. of broken bones, but no no internal injuries, apparently, uh, as far as they know, and he survived. I think this guy got up on – I think it was a a dare that uh, Nero made. He told the guy to climb up, and uh, then this is what Nero yelled out to him. Fly, be free! And he did, (laughs) uh, and Nero was just fucking with him. I think Nero said, listen – you know, by the the power of Christ compels thee. Um, you can fly, I, right? If you like believe, Simon Magus, we talked about you, on the Renaissance show recently, right? If you believe you can fly, mm. Mm. You I believe I can fly. <laughs> now, I had read somewhere um, that. Nero didn't really like the gladiatorial games. Do you think maybe this has something to do with it? If you're still like 17, 18, and a guy falls near you and literally his blood bursts out of his body on impact and, and, and puts blood on you, maybe that would turn him off to the games? Or was he just one of these fruity little guys who liked the theater for plays versus gladiatorial games? I wonder. Well, you know, the impression that I think uh, we get of Nero that's been passed down to us is he was a bloodthirsty tyrant and monster. I would expect him to get down on his hands and knees and lick the blood up, start jerking himself off. (laughs) (laughs) Little known fact, that's what that Kiss song was all about, was this particular... you know, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, huge, huge yeah. ancient history buffs. Vampires. Um, oh, right, right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that, yeah. <laughs> well, to, to answer your original question, I I think maybe this is like, one again, one of the, his, the histories going, look, when he was young, he was decent, he was kind, and, and, he, and he did roam well, and then something in him changes and he becomes the monster, or he was... Fated to become a monster at some point. I mean, look at Caligula, you know, that kind of stuff. And so maybe it's just a um, good to bad story. You can't trust any of these Caesars. You can't trust any of these emperors because eventually they'll snap and they're suddenly thirsting for everybody's blood. I, I just assume it's a before and after kind of metaphor. That was my that was my answer to your question. Yeah, could be. Yeah. yeah. But then Nero fell in love. Now, Uh-oh. he was already married to Octavia, the daughter, right. of, the daughter of his uh, adopted father, Claudius. Right. But yes. as we know... He's got to be the king. <laughs> the girl he fell in love with was Acte, yeah. the, uh, a slave girl or a freed slave girl uh, right. from Asia... According right. to the ancient sources, uh, probably, you know, from Greece or Turkey or somewhere like that. The mm-hmm. sources don't say very much about her except that she'd been granted her freedom already, which suggests that she was a bit older than right. Nero. Some scholars suggest she was probably in her mid-20s. He's about 17, 18 yeah. still at this stage. Um, he did like his women 
older, apparently yeah. ripe, a yeah. little bit ripe, a little bit even overripe, according to some <laughs> well, scholars. Sweeter. The, the juice is sweeter. I think yeah. um, science shows. Somebody, yeah. somebody told me once about having the best things about having sex with older women. Yeah. They don't yell, they don't yeah. tell, they don't <laughs> smell, and they're as grateful as hell. So there you go. that's there the you go. four <laughs> four reasons to have sex with older women. Um, and Tacitus says that his inner circle approved of the affair. Because, this is the quote, it was feared that he might rush into outrages on noble ladies were he debarred from this indulgence. Yeah. So better that he's fucking a freed uh, slave girl, a foreigner, stranieri, stranieri, a donna stranieri, in la donna stranieri in Italian. But uh, better for him to be doing that than uh, running around uh, fucking the uh, rich guy's wives. Yeah. And not only that, but because she's a former slave, it's not like anybody could rally around her and maybe try a power play because she's a nobody. So, yeah, it's let, let him get his rocks off. He needs it because back in June of 53, you know, he married Octavia, who had basically was his stepsister. So that's not hot because here's Nero, young. Octavia's is um, young. They're forced to get married. And like you said, fast forward to late 54 or January 55. And if if they were having tons of sex, they probably would have had a kid by now, but she never has a kid. So there's not a lot of passion there for whatever reason. He meets this or he somehow comes into contact with Acte. Um, from what I gather, she is semi indifferent to him at first, whatever, but because she's older and more worldly, he falls for her. They start stooping each other. And again, um, you've got um, uh, Seneca, you've got Burris. It's like, good, no, please get your fresh, your sexual frustrations out with her and not anybody else. This is going to be great for us because you'll be distracted. We can keep running Rome. However, let's just make sure mommy doesn't find out. She would not approve. Yeah, the whole thing with his relationship with Octavia I find fascinating because apparently he hated her or they hated each other. Right. But she was his stepsister. Everyone knows the sexiest thing is to have sex with your stepsister. If, if porn has taught me anything right. in the last few years, Lessons it's that right. having sex with your steps, stepsister yeah, it's pretty is hot. everybody's, everybody's yeah. fantasy. Every so man's it's in the fantasy. top five categories, I find. Yeah. <laughs> For you personally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. But... Uh, I mean, and, and I said this on a previous show, according to one source I read, remember when he was growing up, his mother was banished. He didn't see her for years. And, and his tutors were like a barber and a, uh, I, I can't miss, um, a seamstress. I can't remember. But the point is he would indulge himself in plays and he would read tons of poetry. And some of that poetry supposedly got the idea into him is that love is supposed to be grand. It's supposed to be all consuming. It's supposed to take you away and, and be wings on your feet and whatever. And suddenly he's forced to marry his, a person he considered a sister. There's no passion. How could he possibly like that? And his mom is the one who arranged it and made him do it. He's not exactly going to be thanking her anytime soon. Yeah, I think there was probably some um, <clears throat> issue with the fact that he wasn't really natural born of Claudius. She and Britannicus were. Mm-hmm. And he feels like a little a little bit of imposter syndrome, I think. And right. she may have been, uh, you know, dragging it into him as well. Maybe, maybe like uh, dragging that subject up. 
Uh, maybe mm. she was pro Britannicus. Um, you good know, help. yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah good point. Uh, who knows? Point of contention. Yeah. Anyway, as you said, he tried to keep it a secret from his mother. He may be emperor, but he's still an Italian boy who's uh, scared of his mother, like Tony Soprano. Uh, one of uh, Seneca's students, a guy called Serenus, pretended that Acte was his lover right. to give them cover. So when Acte turned up... At uh, at the palace, or when she showed up wearing expensive jewelry or expensive clothes, uh, she they could all say, "Oh, yeah, she got it from Serenus. Apparently, he had some coin." And Agrippina, apparently, you know, they figured she wouldn't get suspicious, but right. uh, she worked it out. Um, yeah. She was furious. Um, she later sarcastically refers to Acte as my daughter-in-law, the maidservant, which <laughs> gives us an idea of her role at court. She was some yeah. sort of a maid yeah. that Nero was banging. Now, the fact that Nero was banging a freed slave woman right. maybe tells us a little bit about him and his character as well and his apparent disregard for social rank, like banging... Yeah. Yeah, a, no, a noble wife, uh, a patrician's wife, an equestrian's wife, a senator's wife is one thing. But I was trying to think back. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. Like Augustus, well, I remember saying that uh, Livia organized a bunch of women for Augustus to fuck right. throughout the course of their marriage. Right. But uh, I don't know if they were freed slave girls or slave girls, or if they were just uh, you know good, good, uh, you know upper class. Roman girls. Do you remember? Right. I don't remember because one, if it's um, if it's just freed girls, then no harm, no foul. Because let's be honest, they're not Roman citizens. And if it is Roman citizens, you know, maybe their fathers will benefit. So there's a win-win for everybody because we know that girls were nothing more than property to be used for political uh, uh, advantages or whatever. So I don't remember specifically. But again, not only see. Here's the thing. Here's how I took this to be banging your maid. I mean, yeah, who hasn't done that? Um, but he supposedly is in love with her. That's the part that his mother is going to be upset about. And I think she, as long as she can, and she knows this can't last forever, but as long as she can, she wants to be the most important woman person in his life because he, he, she knows his wife is not important to him. And she needs to keep him wrapped around her finger as long as he can. So if he's banging a maid, eh, but he's falling in love with the maid, that is unacceptable. And I even read somewhere that she, when she got angry and she got in his face and she's like, I made you emperor. You are nothing without me. Whatever. She actually had some of his friends roughed up by some of her adherents. She truly was pissed. This is not just a little tiny event. This is literally whoever wins this war wins the Roman empire. This is a big deal. She was uh, so furious. She was aggro, which is a good Austra- good Australian term for somebody who's angry. Aggro, aggressive. Yeah. Aggro. Aggro, mate. Aggro, aggro, pina. She uh, was <laughs> then. Right. She yelled at Nero, "I made you emperor." Yes. So she, she really got up in his face. Now Nero immediately called her bluff, threatened to yes. abdicate, <laughs> moved to Rhodes to live yeah. with Acte. So yeah. this isn't just a fuck here. He's yeah, exactly. the, the sources suggest that he was really head over heels in love well, with this uh, he doesn't freed know any slave better. girl. 
It's just probably his yeah. first or second piece of ass. He's in, of course he's in love. His penis is in love. Yeah, yeah. Um, now he went to the lengths of trying to get some former conf- consuls <laughs> to testify that she was uh, actually of right. Greek royal descent. Oh, nice. I think descended from the house of Atalus and a talad princess or something. So yeah. he's going, oh, it's okay. <laughs> like she's, uh, you know, it's royalty. royalty you know, some, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think it's funny to imagine the 17-year-old emperor yeah. going around trying to convince Older older man. senators <laughs> to lie about yeah. his hey, mistress pss, pss, to yeah. his mother. Right. So he can continue. Like, imagine he's like pimply. <laughs> he's like, oh, hello, uh, Senator. Yeah. Um, yes, son. Yes, boy. Yeah. You know, I was wondering if uh, you could do me a favor. Anything um, for you, Caesar. Oh, thank you. Um, praise be, Caesar. Um, you know, I, my mother. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking this girl, and she's got a really hot twat. And starts, you, oh my god! Like it's like lips. Talk about lips and grip. <laughs> I know that's what my mother is too, but this is this is different. And and she, um, my mother doesn't want me to fuck her, but I was just wondering, like, if you could tell and my mother that, that Actia is really a Greek princess. Would, oh. would, would that be okay? You mean the house servant that I've seen cleaning around the temple, the uh, the, the palace? Uh, I mean, yeah, she cleans uh, my temple three or four times a day. I'm I'm very. Yeah. Oh, I remember being seventeen, son. Uh, tell you what, let me get back to you. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying yes. I, I got to give it a good think. So good luck with that. All right. Well. <laughs> Uh, I'll remember that the next time you're up on trial for uh, like yeah, charges, spurious I, I, charges of uh, maestas against the throne. I'll, I'll I remember go, your hesitation. I your lack of faith my, disturbs me. <laughs> I got to go check my accounts in Spain. So uh, I'll see you. All right, and scene. Um, <laughs> but Agrippina, Agropina wasn't having any of it. So this is where Nero starts to pull away from her. We had said yeah. that she was, like, very influential and, and people thought that, in fact, she was running Rome yes. in that first year and not him. Uh, he starts to pull away from her now and really puts his trust mostly in Seneca, uh, Burrus, the Praetorian prefect uh, right. also, but mostly in Seneca. Agrippina well, yeah. forced him to choose between her and the pussy. and. Right. He chose the pussy. You always yeah. Yeah, yeah, choose yeah. the pussy. Always right. Go. That's, right. you know, rule number one, never attend a, a <laughs> dinner being held in your own honour. <laughs> rule never number two. the pussy. Yeah. Always choose the pussy. Yeah, right, that's. Right. Well, you uh, mentioned. That's enshrined right. in, on my wall here in my oh, office, those two things. I got tattooed on my ass. No, yeah, 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 yeah. So you mentioned in a previous episode the concilium, the advisory body, uh, to uh, to Nero, you've got what Pallas, you've got uh, Burrus, you've got uh, Seneca, and of course um, Agrippina's there. But yeah, so as she pushes this, you're right. She's basically saying it's either her or me. Well, we all know what his heart and penis is going to choose. And so there's a shift in power within the concilium, within the advisory board, and not only that, but um, 
uh, Burris actually starts to side with Seneca. So even though she's really, really angry, she's not thinking this through because she's driving him away and, and he's, she's driving him right into the arms of Seneca, who is going to try to do a decent job. As far as I can tell, uh, Seneca wasn't crazy about Pallas. Uh, the treasurer, because he wouldn't toe the line sometimes. So she's making a huge mistake, but she's too worked up emotionally at first to realize what she's done. But eventually she realizes that she's gone too far. She's pushed yes. him too hard. She tries to backpedal, offers no. him oh a ton God. of her, a ton of her money, even mm-hmm. offers him her own bedroom in the palace yeah. for them to fuck in. You can fuck, fuck here. I got some lights. I got a special vibrating bed. Uh, no, I, I want you to fuck her here. I want you to fuck her here. You're my son. I love you. Um, which, uh, I, I mean, I find that surprising. He's like, bitch, I'm the, I'm the emperor. <laughs> if I want to fuck her in your bedroom. Yeah. I'll fuck her in your bedroom. It's my palace. Like, well, who the fuck I, do you think you are? I just have to ask, could you picture him? You don't know about me, Mom. You can't tell me what to do. I love her, and she loves me, and we're going to run away together. I'm like, oh, fuck you. You're 17 years old. I forgot. But you're right. Even though he's probably intimidated by his mother, he is angry. He is worked up, and he does have a savior of a sorts in Seneca. So he does, you know, he does give her some attitude, and he does stand up to her. But it was too late. The damage yeah. was done. His friends, Seneca, Boris yeah. in particular, warned him to watch out uh, for tricks from her. They said she'd always been terrible, but now was being deceitful as well. Mm. I'm thinking, no kidding, she murdered (laughs) at least one, probably more of her husbands, including Claudius. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we have to also keep in mind that um, Burrus and Seneca, she, she convinced Claudius to bring Seneca back from exile, Uh, she, uh, you know, got rid of the previous Praetorian prefect and had Boris put in his place. These guys owe her everything. The fact that they're now siding with Nero over her is a pretty big deal. I mean, without her, neither of them would be shit, but they, um... You know, they, they. I guess I can only conclude that they decided. Listen, either well, our, our primary loyalty is to the emperor, not to his mother. And if we don't back the emperor, you know, then we're right. getting ourselves in a whole big shit. Or right. they've concluded, yeah, she's really gone. She's gone completely batshit crazy now. We need to. We, yeah. we need to take care of her. Or right. Seneca thought, uh, you know what, Nero's a good kid. Um, I can make, I can work with him. I can make him into a good emperor. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I got to do what's right for Rome, which is yes. Look, I owe her a lot for bringing me back, but now my yeah. my primary responsibility is to Rome exactly. and to give them a good emperor and a good yeah. government, and I got to get rid of Agrippina. So. Um, you know, they they sort of warned her to be careful, warned him to be careful of mm-hmm. her. Yeah, he did try to make peace with her though for a while, including sending her gifts. Like uh, the sources talk about a fabulously jeweled gown that right. was apparently trendy for the elite women in Rome at the time, and he sent her one. She apparently didn't appreciate it very much. <laughs> told friends it was only a tiny fraction of what he owed her. 
Right. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure how to take that because on one hand, I thought maybe she had realized she'd gone too far. She's sucking up. He realizes that she's sucking up, that she's being insincere. And I wasn't sure if he was really coming, to maybe meeting her halfway, trying to rebuild their relationship. Or maybe Seneca might have said something, who was a huge fan of the Godfather movies, keep your friends close but your enemy's closer. So maybe he was like, okay, I know, now I know I can't trust you. You don't really want my happiness. You want your happiness. But I'm going to play the game. I'm going to send you gifts, this this jeweled gown, which, of course, she takes as an insult. And so maybe they're just kind of squaring each other up. As far as um, Seneca and Burris choosing his side, I, I think I kind of took that as, you know what, as long as she doesn't kill him or as long as he doesn't die anytime soon, he is the rising sun. She is the setting sun. She is also a female who theoretically doesn't have any power. If As long as he can hold out and survive, he will win this contest. And I would think at the very least, they would recognize that and choose to take his side because he's got all the, all the advantages stacked on his side. So um, yeah, she's trying to rebuild the fences. But again, the, the trust has just been shattered too far for that. And now she's going around bad-mouthing him to uh, all sorts of people. So to teach her a lesson, he starts to reduce her power and influence, and he starts by going after her main ally and lover, Mm. Pallas, the imperial treasurer, the guy who was uh, a freedman under Claudius and uh, was the one when when Claudius got rid of Messalina, he was the guy that was uh, advocating for Agrippina to be the next wife. Um, She she started fucking him before or, or after that as a reward for his loyalty. He's now one of the richest men in Rome, maybe because yes. he'd been manipulating the treasury for all the years that he'd been running it. Uh, one for them and one for me kind of a deal. <laughs> Seneca probably saw Pallas as a rival for his own power in court, so this is a good opportunity for him to kill two birds uh, with one stone yes. or one bird with two stones or yeah. one two killing another stone freedman. birds. There's some stoned birds in there one, somewhere. Yeah, lucky birds. Um, (laughs) And Burrus, the Praetorian prefect, sided with Seneca. So Pallas is exiled. He's out of the concilium. He's out of running the treasury. He's out of Rome. According to Tacitus, he took a large number of servants with him. And uh, I love this bit. Proclaimed that his accounts in the treasury were not to be questioned were to yes. be regarded... No one look at my accounts. They're perfectly fine. <laughs> Don't ask me. Ex- yeah. Ex-nay on the accounts, eh, mother. Uh, they're perfectly balanced. balanced. Right? Everything's no one good? should ever dare question him Don't- about them. Right. Nothing How to see here. Dare, Move along. Dare user. And, and you're right. He, this guy was not only rich because, you know, whatever, he's, he's got hundreds of millions of sisters. But when he does report to the government, he, he's reporting directly to Claudius or he's reporting directly to Nero. Not that Nero is going to understand whatever the fuck he's saying. So this guy is a huge institution. So for Nero to bring him down. Um, and he could have had him killed because he's the emperor. He can do whatever he wants. But no, he has him removed from, from his position. That's a major plank of Agrippina's support. And she best get that message quick because first you go after someone's support and then you go after them. Now, Pallas, uh, Marcus Antonius Pallas, as we've mentioned earlier, actually, unlike Acti, was 
descended from Greek kings. Mm-hmm. He was direct, descended from the Greek kings of Arcadia. Uh, originally a slave of Antonia Minor, the daughter of Mark Antony. Yeah. Um, in accordance with Roman custom, he took the name of her father when he was freed. So that's why he was Marcus Antonius. And then, uh, so apparently he was sent by Antonia to Tiberius, you might recall, to Mm -hmm. deliver the evidence that uh, Sejanus had murdered Drusus, Tiberius's son. And uh, he got got his freedom um, as a result of that apparently, for, nice. for delivering that message, which was a bit of fucking touch and go. You never know how that's going to work <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. I'm just a messenger. Fucking kill yeah. the messenger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he got his freedom. He got given some land in Egypt as a reward Whoa. for his ser- servitude to right. Antonia. When she died in 37, he became a client of Claudius. So he was already free at that stage, rose through the ranks, etc., etc. His brother, his younger brother, was Marcus Antonius Felix, who was the procurator of Judea from 52 to 60. Um, Yes, uh, and and also turns up in the Book of Acts. He's famous. yeah, he's called, uh, I think, just Felix in the book of Acts. Um, supposedly, uh, St. Paul, Paul the uh, con man, um, <laughs> uh, used to just right? when uh, used to go talk to Felix a lot. Felix would, uh, when Felix, when sorry, when Paul was arrested, right. Um, you know, apparently when he uh, took the bribe that he'd been collecting back to the original apostles in Jerusalem mm-hmm. so they would, uh, you know, get off his fucking back about preaching to the Gentiles and mm-hmm. telling them they didn't have to become Jews, uh, he got arrested and then, uh, you know, he had to appear in front of Felix, who was the procurator of oh. Judea. And right. then Felix, according to the book of Acts, Felix would call him up every now and again when he was hey. born. You yeah, go come in, get a bottle, get a bottle of scotch out, and they'd sit yeah. and they'd talk about uh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, what's your, what's your take on uh, on Jesus, uh, Jesus yeah. as he's known in these yeah. parts? Yeah, okay. Yeah, just comparing notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my god, uh, money talks uh. and bullshit walks. Mm. Anyway, so Palace is gone, um, and now Agrippina is increasingly. Isolated, certainly in the concilium. She doesn't have a lot of power in court at the moment. Right. While all this was going on, however, yes. there was a tragedy, a great Aww, tragedy. No. we got to kill off another character. So right in the middle of the storm between Nero and his mom all over Acti and who's going to dominate, who's going to have power, young Britannicus is going to come onto the stage for the last time. So on February 11th in the year 55, right before Britannicus's 14th birthday, when he was about to put on the toga of Aurelis, he gets invited to dinner. Obviously, he hasn't read our rule book, rule number one, do not go to a dinner that's in your honor. And per Tacitus, here's the story. 
So Tacitus says that Agrippina before this dinner is going around and saying to certain people, she is railing against Nero for removing Pallas. So not only is she saying horrible things about her son, but supposedly the truth starts coming out in her anger. She is going to get back at Nero for what he's done. And that if anything, the truth be told, Britannicus is the true heir. In fact, she herself was the one that poisoned Claudius and put her son Nero over Britannicus for the throne. So one, that little shit owes her everything and he's not treating her with the due respect, but Britannicus is the true heir. In fact, she's going to grab up this boy who's about to become a man, take him to the Praetorian camp and try to fix this horrible mistake. Supposedly she's saying this and and word of uh, this is getting around, but wait, there's more. So according to Tacitus, Nero frees or works with the poisoner Locusta. So he gets her to make him a poison, and he gives his poison to Britannicus's tutor to give to the boy. The poison is given to Britannicus, and yet somehow he survives. Nero is enraged by this murder attempt gone foul. He has Locustra tortured. Some of the beatings that she got supposedly was by his own hand. And as he's hitting her, he's like, you had one job. Anyway, so they make up. So she makes him a stronger poison. This poison is given to a baby goat. That's kind of cruel. Um, But it takes the little baby goat five hours to die. Not good enough. So they make another poison. They give it to a pig. The pig drops dead like that. All right, now we're talking. So let's get back to the dinner. So Britannicus is at the table, and at the table is uh, Nero, Nero's wife, and Agrippina. There might have been other people. I'm not sure. So Britannicus taster samples a drink, and then he eats it. It's fine, sir. Gives it to the boy. Britannicus takes a sip, and he goes, oh, no, that's too hot. It burned my lips. So he puts the drink down. The taster takes some water, some cold water, pours a little bit of it into the drink to cool it off. The boy picks it up. Sips it. Oh, it's much better. But suddenly he grabs at his throat. He starts convulsing. He starts falling down. He's whatever. Now, Britannicus has had epileptic fits before. So Nero is not all that concerned about this. Octavia didn't really react uh, either. But supposedly, according to one source, she she knew better than to have kind of any intense emotional reaction around Nero because he doesn't like her and he's, he can have her killed. Agrippina on the other hand is freaking out because her, you know, Britannicus, her supposedly only hope is now dying on the floor. In fact, he does die and his skin or at least his face gets dark. Supposedly, according to Tacitus, or I think it's Dio at this point says this is due to the poison and they use, um, gypsum, G Y P S U M gypsum to cover up, uh, the, the discolored skin. Uh, this is a soft mineral. It's used in plaster and you've probably heard their commercials. Maybe it's her, maybe it's gypsum. I'm, I'm not sure, but at the funeral, it starts raining. The gypsum washes off and it shows his skin. So there's rumors that the young boy was poisoned. Uh, Agrippina certainly believes that young Britannicus was poisoned. However, Professor Anthony A. Barrett suggests that Britannicus died of an epilepsy, which does darken the face, so maybe Nero was innocent. But the point is, you put this dubious discoloration of the face with the fact that supposedly Agrippina is going around saying, hey, I killed Claudius, and I'm the one who made Nero's rise possible— that just sounds way too far-fetched. And supposedly, if she puts near, uh, she puts Britannicus on the throne, 
isn't his first act going to be to kill her for killing her his father? So the whole thing doesn't really make sense. But the point is, the rumors going around, Agrippina truly does believe that Nero has killed Britannicus. One, that he's capable of murder. And two, if she doesn't watch out, she might be next. It would be pronounced gypsum, gypsum. as in gypsy. Okay. Um, I feel like this yeah. Okay. It's pla- <laughs> a.k.a. plaster, right. and because it was mined for a long time in the Montmartre district of uh, Paris, mm-hmm. it uh, became known as plaster of Paris, oh, dehydrated cool. gypsum. Nice. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, let me let me uh, flesh this out a little bit. I'll yeah. read Tacitus's uh, speech from Agrippina before all of this goes down, right. which is Obviously made up, but uh, fascinating nonetheless. Tacitus writes, uh, Thereupon, with instant fury, Agrippina rushed into frightful menaces, <laughs> sparing not the prince's ears her solemn protest that Britannicus was now of full age, he who was the true and worthy heir of his father's sovereignty, which a son by mere admission and adoption was abusing in outrages on his mother. She shrank not from an utter exposure of the wickedness of that ill-starred house, of her own marriage to begin with, and of her poisoner's craft. All that the gods and she herself had taken care of was that her stepson was yet alive. With him, she would go to the camp, where on one side she would be heard, the daughter of Germanicus, on the other, the crippled Burrus and the exiled Seneca claiming, forsooth, with disfigured hand and a pedant's tongue, the government of the world. As she spoke, she raised her hand in menace and heaped insults on him as she appealed to the deified Claudius, to the infernal shades of the Salani, and to those many fruitless crimes. Uh, now, that's a really fucking weird uh, speech because, well, for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, Number one, like, uh, ta- like, how the fuck does Tacitus know what she said? No one who was there would have reported that to any historian that Tacitus could have used as a source. Exactly. B, so he's, he's made it up, which we know is a common thing in, in ye olden times. The entire te- New Testament is made up. You just make up stuff that people said because it's the so kind it's of thing that you think they probably would right. have said. That was Or should have said. Com- Completely yeah. accept, yeah. Completely yeah. acceptable uh, when yeah. writing "quote unquote" ancient history. Right. Um, but this bit, uh, you know, she talks about her poisonous craft, according to Tacitus. <laughs> I just imagine her going, "And I had your father poisoned," <laughs> and uh, Nero going, "Oh, really? And what was the name of the uh, poisoner? Right, uh, Locosta, <laughs> right? Where, where is she? Right in prison. Oh, right, good. Which, which prison?" Which- Right, right, okay. <laughs> oh, you see, he's got his quill or whatever the fuck he was take, writing take with. Take this his... down. Take this down. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got a hammer and chisel and a tablet. He's like just there she goes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm already cutting most of the letters out, but still, takes time to get this right. We do better, right? Then, uh, you know, she says she's going to take Seneca and Burrus with her to the Praetorian camp to declare yes. him the, the true uh, emperor. Right. Uh, obviously doesn't know that Burrus and Seneca are on his side by yeah, now. They obviously switched. voted or agreed to get rid of Pallas. Um, 
Thirdly, she talks about the crippled Burrus with a disfigured hand. I tried oh. to figure out where that comes from. I hadn't heard that before, and I went looking it up. This I couldn't find any detail about that. Do you know anything about that? Well, I do know, and I don't want to give anything in, uh, away, but uh, I think he's in his mid to late seventies or some. Uh, excuse me, mid to late sixties, and he's and he's been in battle, so maybe he was hurt in a previous um, uh, fight. War or whatever, and so maybe there was an injury, but I do know that he's an elderly gentleman at this point. That's my closest guess as far as his hand. Speaking of crippled hand, I've been watching a great, <laughs> great movie. What's uh, Tell me about it. <laughs> have you ever seen Rolling Thunder? Rolling, I don't think so. Rolling Thunder. 1975 movie starring uh, William Devane and a very young Tommy Lee Jones. Um, written by Paul Schrader um, a few years after he wrote Taxi Driver for Martin Scorsese. Um, similar sort of movie in many ways, but it's William uh-huh. Devane and Tommy Lee Jones. Starts off there, a couple of Vietnam POWs being flown back home, right. flown into San, San Antonio, and um, they get a hero's welcome, you know, Aww. marching bands and all this kind of stuff. Oh, you poor guys, you were tortured yeah. by the Viet Cong. Let I me mean, ignore the fact that you invaded their fucking country <laughs> no, no. in the stay, first place. Stay, stay focused. Stay focused. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> heroes welcome. Um, and you can tell from the get-go that both of them are like massively PTSD. They're yes. like, oh, fuck, we don't, we're not really ready for this. But they're putting on a brave face. Um, yeah. The, you know, uh, William Devane, uh, who's the main character in it, finds out his wife tells him, like, pretty much straight off the bat, yeah, look, I've been fucking your best mate, Cliff, and um, <laughs> he's asked me to marry him, and I've said yes. Yeah. But look, don't don't be angry. Like, no. we thought you were dead. We haven't, he's, they've, yeah. been, they've been gone missing for seven years. Yeah. But yeah like, yeah, we, yeah. We, we, yeah. we thought you were dead. Um, you know, I had a funeral for you. I'm, you know, but the, I'm sorry. And he's like, yeah, he's, but he's good. He's like, yeah, I get it. It's Nick. fine. And Cliff, the guy, comes out, he goes, listen, dude, you know, if you want to take a swing at me, it's fine. He's like, ah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Let's have okay. a beer. Yeah. I get it. Um, but then there's a celebration for him, and, the, like, the local car dealer gives him this massive big red Cadillac convertible. Nice. And they give him a, a huge box of silver dollar coins, one for every day that he was um, oh, in that wow. hellhole right. being tortured with John McCain. And um, it's like he gets a couple of thousand dollars in silver dollars, which in 1975 was a lot of money. Yeah. Anyway, he comes home one day, not long after that, and there's four guys in his house. And they're oh, like, shit. Where, are they, where are them silver dollars, boy? Yeah. And they, he says nothing. They start beating the crap out of him and he says nothing. He just starts, the more they beat him up, he just starts reciting his rank, Major Charles Rain, oh, uh, serial number 654392, like you see them in, yeah. like Rambo does, you know, right. when they're being tortured. Trying to get information out, just, re- oh just my re- God. yeah, and he's got all these yeah. flashbacks. Then they, this is the disfigured ending. They stick his hand no, in the no. food disposal oh. unit. Is it trash disposal unit? Whatever you yes. call it in your sinks Garbage over there. Disposal. Garbage I disposal that from the seventies. They chop yes. his hand off Fuck. in that. He still says nothing. Then oh his soon-to-be-divorced yes. wife and kid come home. Right. The guys say to them, you know, tell us where the money's at or I'm going to kill your father. The kid says, his son's like eight, doesn't know yeah. his dad at all. Yeah, He's right. never seen him his whole life. Kid says, uh, oh, it's out the back, it's under the bed. They go get it and they go, that's great. Then they shoot the wife and the kid, Fuck. kill them, right. and him. They kill, they shoot him. 
Right. Uh, he wakes up a week later in hospital um, right. and his wife and kid are dead. He survived and all of his mates come around and they go, you know, the cops come around, do you know who it was? Can you remember anything? He goes, no, I don't remember anything. I don't even remember what happened to my hand. It's complete blank. Right. He gets rehabilitated. They give him a hook hand. Oh, yeah. uh, Captain Hook. He gets out. He gets out. He gets out of uh, hospital, and he's all like, he's all like, yeah, look, I don't know what happened. It's all a big mystery. Immediately gets home, goes out to the garage, starts sharpening up the hook of his hand on a grinder, oh, hell yeah. saws off the barrel of his shotgun, practicing with his hook hand how to put bullets into the gun, packing the shotgun. And uh, goes on a revenge mission. He knows exactly he knows. who they are. And he knows he's going to hunt, hunt these motherfuckers down, right. Charles motherfucker Bronson blood. style. And there's this great scene. And I only heard about this because Quentin Tarantino and Edgar <laughs> Wright, the director of Shaun of the Dead and many other great films, did a three-hour podcast this week on Empire Magazine, and they're talking about a bunch of their favourite movies and why they're their favourite. This is one of Tarantino's favourite films. <laughs> And he was talking about this scene uh, that I'm going to tell you about next, which is, uh, you know, I had to go down to this film. He goes, he goes to see Tommy Lee Jones um, right. and uh, he just says, I, I, I know where they are, the guys that killed my wife. And Tommy Lee just takes a beat and he goes, I'll get my gun. That's, it. He <laughs> that's, just, that's a friend. That's a good yeah. friend. Yeah. I'll get my, I'll get my gun. <laughs> He just goes and they just pack up and they head off. It's it's uh, it's, it's like a classic American 70s low yeah. budget revenge. Uh, revenge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Fucking so man. good. Clear good guys, clear bad guys. Yeah. 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 Fucking. Oh Check God. it out, people. Rolling Thunder if you haven't seen it. Highly so recommend the, it. Right. So the hand. So the oh, yeah. There was a, he had a hand. He had a hand. <laughs> And then she says, this is right. Agrippina, not the, not the uh, chick in the right. film. And the chick sure. in the film's hot, by the way. Um, uh, she says, Tassin says, she appealed to the deified Claudius. Bet you killed him. <laughs> You're the one who deified the motherfucker in the first place. What do you think? And, and, do and Tacitus, yeah. Tacitus was very clear in putting the blame on her for being a murderous bitch. Right, uh, and now he's saying that she's a and he's doing it in 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 all like serious like <laughs> deified Claudius would be like bitch like you right. got what's coming to you. Um, I'm the I'm the I'm the god king who kept Locusta alive long enough uh, for there to be some revenge on you, bitch. Anyway, yeah, I just think the whole thing's kind of funny and a bit ridiculous. And and who's the uh, chief priest of the uh, Claudius uh, temple or worship? It, it's Nero because he's the one who uh, said all these nice things about Nero. And so, yeah, she's not going to get what she needs from that god at this particular moment in, in time. And then suddenly Nero, who up until now has been the golden child, right. doesn't even want to see criminals killed in the fucking, uh, you know, amphitheater. Yeah. I wish I'd never learned all to of, read. Yeah. All Good. of a sudden, right. he's a cold murderer. Who's yeah. going to murder his young stepbrother, brother-in-law, right? Uh, for no apparent reason other than his mother's threatening to replace Nero with the younger brother. Um, it, it it just seems kind of like a weird sudden turn. Up until now, Nero's been the good kid, doing everything right, right. Uh, gentle, loving, kind, fun. All he of just, a sudden, yeah, in a heartbeat, yeah. with Boom. no fucking warning. He's like, I gotta motherfucking kill people. 
I'm like, really? This is this is like I'm all for character arc here, Tacitus, but uh, a little bit of build up, a little bit of something, you yeah, know, along the way to give me at least with Caligula, you know, he was facing death and he was on Sex Island with Tiberius for a while, and you know, so and even surprised. then he was good for right. a while, and yeah, yeah I, I, this yeah. is just well, I don't know, a bit of a left turn, I thought. That's how I sudden took. left a, turn. No, you're right. I mean, he's a 17 year old kid. All he wants is to bang his Greek lover and is for his mom to be happy with him. Uh, we know he's got a ton of responsibilities, that kind of stuff. He's into poetry, music, athletic competitions. He's this kid who's got his day mapped out for him, but suddenly he becomes this diabolical guy who goes down into the bat cave with his torturer and he even has to rough her up a couple times because she's not getting it right. I mean, it is just a little bit much to, uh, to put together and, and to believe, to take at face value. Little much. Yeah. Um, well, listen. Uh, there's a lot more to this story, but we're over time, so oh, uh, let's God, pick it up yeah. next time. Let's right. pick it up next time. The death of Britannicus and the end of Agrippina's uh, influence. <laughs>